it's Mac. Welcome back. Episode 42 of Icebreaker. AJ, how are you doing? We're doing really good. Uh, we're in the thick of the playoffs and we've got a lot to talk about today. We sure do. And just hang on before we get to that. I just want to say <laughs> that the Icebreaker Show is presented by Tribute Digital. Tribute Digital provides e-commerce marketing solutions that go past just impressions and clicks, focusing on revenue for your business. Contact Tribute Digital today to transform your digital business. Visit T-R-I-B-B-U-T-E dot com slash ice to start. And as always on this show, we like things with double letters. Tribute with two Bs, Icebreaker Show with two Ws on social media. Anything with two letters, you can hop on board with us. Uh, as you aforementioned, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they did it again. They leafed it. Uh, you almost had to think that by the time they got to game seven, they were doomed. Uh, not yeah. the not the Toronto Maple Leafs hot zone, the game sevens. I really at least thought they were going to put a goal in. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. What that wasn't in the last two down? minutes? It didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> It did not matter, even a little bit. What do you say to a Leaf fan? I don't. I don't know what you say. It's it's heart wrenching. It really is. It really. I'll is. tell you something. As a as a Jets fan, and I was saying this to my fiance as we were watching the game tonight. I was actually hoping Toronto was going to squeeze the trigger and they were going to advance, because even as the regular season was ending, Montreal was getting red hot. They were. And now they've proved it, and, and even like just just alone with Carey Price in net, I think the Habs moving on. That's the harder of the two teams for the Jets to play. Well, like you, Carey Price is like back to like 2009, 10 Carey Price, like elite elite stuff. Um, it was impressive. I said today, how's how's a team with Carey Price, the underdog, yeah. to win the series? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, now, and I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw his post-game interview. He looked like he just lost a pet. He just won Game Seven, and it, maybe it was the goal that he let in. But he looked depressed <laughs> when they were during, trying to interview him during the game. I was looking at Twitter, and I can't remember who it was who tweeted it. But they said at the Olympics one year, I can't remember the year. Media sit closer at the Olympics uh, than they do in the NHL game, and it was a. Mm -hmm. uh, media timeout in the third period of the gold medal game versus Sweden. And he saw Carey Price yawning. The guy doesn't feel pressure. <laughs> he is stoic. I think this next round here in the North division is going to be something special. Well, there's a goaltending matchup, right? Yeah. Connor Hellbuck, oh, yeah. the reigning Vesna winner, Carey Price, like one of the best goalies to, to play the game. But like you said, you know, as a Winnipeg Jets fan, We've got a pretty good, we've won some playoff series in our 10 year history here. Think about the Leafs fans. Like it's been since 2004. I, at this point, I think back a few years ago, if we would have been in the same situation, I like a lot of Canadians now would just be laughing about it. Yeah. But at this point, it's like, it's got to click at yeah. some point. Do you think they make any big moves? Uh, I don't know what, I don't know what they would do. Maybe it's... put Matthews on the block. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> Anyways, enough about the Leafs. We're going to have more next week because the North Division final series is going to get underway, and we'll have a few games in by then. Uh, we're going for the Jets, obviously. We're going to put out a poll on Twitter. Uh, who you got, the Jets or the Canadians? We'll see what the, what the Twitterites say. Um, moving on here. 
cool story out of the PGA Tour that I saw this week at the end of the uh, golf tournament last weekend. Is there is a golfer, and he goes by Big Mike Vasecki, and he's a struggling. Like he's golf's a hard game. We know it, mm-hmm. right? But he's put his heart and soul into the game, and he's got a few sponsorship exemptions to play in tournaments. But golf's expensive, even at the pro level to enter these tournaments. It costs money. Um, you got to have your PGA Tour card. You got to win. But anyways, Justin Thomas, out of his own pocket, wrote him a check. Didn't say how much, but he went up to him. He gave it to him and said, "Like, continue to pursue your dream. I hope we're playing together uh, one day down the road here again, which is pretty cool. It's cool just as a gesture alone, but as a sort of a veteran to rookie thing, it's nice to see guys in the sport instead of just competing against each other, trying to build the sport. Right. And who would have thought now Justin Thomas is a veteran? What? Well, it may be I'm using that word loosely, but he's more so than than Big Mike. But that's, it's Justin is the same thing. If you talk about like Mark Shifley, like it feels like just yesterday he was a rook, like, you know what I mean? A rookie in the league. He's 10 years in, like it's, he's a veteran. It's, it's just crazy to think about all these guys that I guess that I've grown up watching kind of through my like heyday of sports. That's all I've known. Right. And these guys are now veterans and they're my age it's crazy well it's nice to see golfers who aren't feuding how about we just put it (laughs) that way (laughs) that's another good story how funny is that stuff Bryson Brooks and then Phil Mickelson getting involved in it we can't we can't skip over Phil's PGA championship victory that was incredible and you know what we took the week off for the long weekend last week and I thought for sure we were talking about it so I'm glad that it got brought up here because that was golf history Yes. And how good were his interviews? (laughs) Phil's almost a better interview than he is a golfer at this point in his career. I would agree. It's so when he just tells the reporters, he's like, I hit bombs. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) I hit bombs. It's so funny. He's a, he's a pretty good dude uh, to listen to, to watch. I was thrilled for him. Like you said, Um, golf history, uh, something funny that came up we're always struggling to see what our hot takes would be and we're going to switch because we have a fan we have a listener hot take this week that was sent in and we're going to read the manitoba building trades hot take for this week and that is the packers will trade aaron Rodgers to the falcons for julio jones and some sort of compensation either matt ryan or a handful of draft picks kind of depends on how ready the organization feels about Jordan Love. So there you have it. The Manitoba Building Trades hot take. Listeners take. It's not just any project. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. It's about building something great for Manitoba. And that's why you turn to the talent and craftsmanship of Manitoba's expert tradespeople. Manitoba Building Trades is Manitoba's unionized construction industry. Productive labor is our business with over 10,000 skilled trades professionals we build what others can only imagine. Visit mbtrades.ca and come build with us. What do you think of that? I don't want to knock it because you and I have such a hard time getting a hot <laughs> take right. Uh, I see flaws in this one, and here's why. I heard the rumor already, and maybe you did too, that Julio's going to the Patriots. Like everybody I also heard a rumor. I also heard a rumor that the reason Julio's leaving the Falcons, the reason he wants out, is because of Matt Ryan. Right. A little bit of bullying. So it would be weird to see the two of them go to the same team. True. 
the very end of the day, if this happens, who was it? A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers to the Falcons for Julio and Matt Ryan, let's call it. What does Kyle Pitts think about this? He gets drafted into this organization, this smoothly run organization in Atlanta, and the whole team bails before he plays a snap. See ya. But but he'd he'd be catching balls from Aaron Rodgers, and he loves his tight ends. That's true. So maybe there's something to this. That's true. Well, only time will tell. And like we've seen with our hot takes, time isn't always on our side. So no. uh, <laughs> well, uh, I love the listener take though. If you got a hot take, send it in. Would love to, yeah. uh, love to read it. That's awesome. Uh, as we move along here, uh, past couple of weeks, we both got bullied in uh, trivia. You know, it's been, yeah. it's been tough sledding. So we're going to come back here. It's my turn to ask you questions. Right. And we, you know, we might have to ease up on uh, some of these questions here, but we'll see. We're going to see how you do. Uh, you just let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. What, uh, what are we uh, doing trivia about here? This Stanley week, Cup playoffs. Okay. Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's see what we can do. All right. Who won the Conn Smythe Trophy when Chicago won the Stanley Cup in 2013? Conn Smythe. Playoff MVP. Mm-hmm. Had to be Kane. Yeah, that's correct. Patty Kane? Yeah. I was going to guess go. Taves, but uh, no, Patty Kane was lights out back yeah, in that scored series. The, scored the that. OT winner. Yeah. OT winner. Okay. Yeah. Who was the first player in NHL history to play 50 or more playoff games with three different teams? And they're kind of hint is a past connection, family connection to Winnipeg. Oh, no. See, I thought I knew who it was until you gave me that oh. hint. Well, then forget it. Maybe I, you for do. For some reason, I thought for sure it was going to be Gretzky. Um, <laughs> before that, jeez. Uh, Same era. I'm kind of picturing that, too. I just wonder who it would have been. Uh, it wasn't Ducky Howard Chuck, was it? No. Claude no, Lemieux. Claude Lemieux? Yes. Was, was the first one to do that? Yes. <laughs> you can't take that away from him. No. I love it. <laughs> no. Okay. Here's another good one. <laughs> Which pair of brothers combined to score the most career playoff goals with 131? Oh, No. 131. You can call on a hint here if you want. I have a name in mind, but uh, what's your hint? Canadian team. Both brothers were on the Canadian team? Well, I know one was for sure. See, I thought it was going to be a a, a couple of the Sutter brothers, but... uh, We have a a lot of answers here. (laughs) Oh, okay. You know what? Blow it out. Give it to me. Maurice and Henry Richard. Okay. Yeah, see, that was a little before my time. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone there. Okay, here's a good one. Just I picked this one based on the Leafs' tragic uh, playoff uh, you run. You predicted here. it. Okay. This is even worse. Which team holds the Stanley Cup record uh, or Stanley Cup playoff record with 16 straight playoff losses? So swept four series in a row. Mm. I don't know. 
it, it could be a few teams. Um, I, Ottawa. I guarantee it's not a team that you're thinking about. No? Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. Uh, they were on the radar there. Okay. They lost. They, had some... they got swept four times in a row. I don't know if there's like, if it was like four series, but it combined 16 games. So oh at least three sweeps in a row, at least. So any Leaf fan watching right now, it could get worse. Yeah, it could. <laughs> it could just be solid sweeps every year. Okay. And here's the last one. Who is the only player in NHL history to captain two different teams to Stanley Cup championships? Tell me that that's Wayne Gretzky. It's not. No. Well, I'll give you one more guess. I'll give you one more so guess. Repeat the, repeat the question. Who is the only player in NHL history to captain two different teams to Stanley Cup championships? Mm-hmm. Or first, you're right. Wayne Gretzky probably did it. First player. No, I don't know. Who was it? Mark Messier. It was Messi. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think back. I guess, did Gretz ever win it with the Kings? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. Either way. He's the moose. You know what? Big moose. Mark Messier. These questions are right off NHL.com, so I trust them. <laughs> And now look, Mark Mesty is doing commercials for washing your clothes in cold water with Tide. He's come Absolutely. a long way. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> with the NHL talk, the NHL draft on the horizon uh, coming up, thought we'd bring back an episode with Sam Cosentino talking about all the talent in the East Division of the Western Hockey League as we got to see play out um, for a couple months, you know, about a month ago, which was really exciting, but you know, the likes of Carson Lambos, uh, Mikey Milne, uh, Gage Alexander, and Owen Peterson on the ice, all listed in the NHL Central Scouting, plus a whole yeah. heck of a lot more uh, in the East Division. So tune in with Sam. Uh, coming right up, right after this. The Icebreaker Show is presented by Tribute Digital. If you're looking to transform the growth of your business, then Tribute will provide you the, with proven online marketing solutions customized to achieve your goals visit them at tribute.com slash ice that's tribute.com with two b's forward slash ice joined by sportsnet's junior hockey analyst sam cosentino thanks for joining the show yeah really pumped uh, to be talking about a little whl hockey that's for sure it's been a long run here of nothing so uh on ontario it doesn't look like we're getting close to to getting things going so i'm pretty happy to see that the quebec major junior hockey league has persisted but uh now getting on a little dub action beginning on friday so really looking forward to watching that for sure and it seemed i know i've i've talked to people about this but it seemed week after week after week for about three weeks a new division in the whl got the go ahead to play and it was just us in the East division have been the last of the three, obviously still one more to go, but it was like, when's our turn? Yeah. Well, it was pretty funny because uh, one of my colleagues there, Jeff Merrick had uh, tweeted out that the Saskatchewan government had uh, given, um, you know, the, the approval to play. And I think that uh, 
might have been done uh, somewhat prematurely. So, uh, you know, they had to get back to the, the drawing board there for a couple of days before they made things official. But, you know, I give Ron Robinson a lot of credit. He's been doing his work sort of, you know, under the radar and not trying to push the envelope, uh, making sure that uh, health and safety are the most important things here. And, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to all the member clubs too who have been working hard to um, not only make adjustments in terms of, you know, housing billets, uh, having no fans, uh, but being able to kind of get protocols in place that the players can, uh, you know, can quarantine, can live safely, uh, can practice in, in cohorts until everyone's able to come together. So uh, there's been a lot of work uh, done uh, to get this going. But man, oh man, you know, t- to do it under the radar is uh, it's a difficult thing sometimes with, uh, you know, the, the immediate uh, kind of nature of social media and that sort of thing. So other than uh, than Merrick's little tweet there, things kind of went pretty smooth for uh, for the WHL and, and at least returning three divisions back to play. Absolutely. We're going to get into that in just a second. I want to start off by asking, how did you get into to doing what you do? Yeah, it goes back a long ways, really. Like, I, I always wanted to be in broadcasting. When I was, uh, you know, six or seven years old, my grandfather owned horses. So we used to go to the racetrack uh, sometimes on Sundays before our big Italian uh, Sunday family dinners. And, you know, I'd steal the program at the end of the day and and kind of run in the basement and just pretend like I was calling horse races. Uh, so that was, I kind of knew that I wanted to do that for a long time, but I was you know, a decent baseball player. And when time uh, came, I'd been working for the Blue Jays, but also still playing baseball. And the opportunity came up to, to play on a scholarship in, in Michigan and a place called Spring Arbor, a little tiny school, uh, you know, about 45 minutes west of Ann Arbor. And um, I went there because they had a great uh, radio station and a sports journalism program. So it worked out that I was able to play baseball, uh, fall ball, and then, of course, in, in the spring. Uh, but in the meantime, be able to call uh, men's and women's college basketball games and being able to work at the radio station, uh, you know, as a disc jockey type of thing. So from there, uh, I got back, worked for the Blue Jays again, um, you know, after the strike, uh, went back to work with the Blue Jays and, and late April of 95 um, and still wanted to pursue my broadcasting career, but I had a great job with the Blue Jays as uh, assistant equipment manager in the visiting clubhouse that turned into the head uh, visiting clubhouse manager for a short time in the end of that 95 season and just sort of chased it and chased it. In 1999, I ended up getting a job at the score. So I was still working with the Blue Jays, moved over to the home side. I was working um, spring training and home games. And in between with that time off, uh, the score television network worked around my uh, schedule and I was able to go in and, and just call and voice cuts. Well, at the same time uh, in the winter, I was able to mix in um, some, some local hockey coverage with the, the Barry Colts here in the Ontario hockey league, the Brampton battalion, Mississauga ice dogs. Um, and so we did stuff with those, with those three teams. And then later it turned into doing stuff with St. Mike's and sort of a twist of fate came along in the 0304 season. Uh, was able to work one game with Pete Labardius in Kelowna. Never seen a WHL before. It was a, a Portland Kelowna game featuring the likes of Shea Weber. And it sort of grew from there. So really um, it morphed back into baseball and the broadcasting side with Sportsnet. And then um, kind of got out of that in, in 2010 and started doing more of the, the junior hockey stuff and then the CHL and then you know, when we got the rights to the NHL draft, um, we had some people that really pushed behind the scenes for me to be able to perform uh, on our draft coverage, which really, I don't know, it wasn't really on my radar. I didn't think they had the, the confidence of, of the wherewithal to to select me to do that. And it's turned out that's uh, been my gig. So 
the gig that I have now in terms of being a CHL analyst and our broadcast and our, and our lead draft analyst is it's awesome. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, I miss baseball, but I uh, really love being around my family in the summer. So I know it's a long winded answer, Mac, but, uh, it's kind of an interesting path that weaves through both baseball and hockey to, to kind of get where we are here today. No, I love hearing about that. That's a that's a very interesting story. What would you say you enjoy the most? Like one thing you enjoy the most then about your current gig? Well, it's it's really the interaction with people. So, you know, this this COVID thing has been really difficult. And, you know, the interaction we're having now is what's become popular and what's become necessary. Uh, but by no means is that the same as, you know, being able to sit in a room and shake your hand and look you in the eye and you know, maybe have a beer with you or, or, or whatever. It's just, it, it's just not the same. And so for me, what makes it is the people. And I'm pretty proud of the fact that, uh, you know, 15 years in the job that I think I could probably call at least one member of any of the 60 CHL teams and someone I know fairly well enough that, you know, you could go and break bread with, or, you know, if it's a coach or a GM, maybe have a beer with after a game, or maybe it's, uh, you know, one of the assistant coaches or one of the trainers. Um, you know, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I've kind of built up that network over my time. So for me, it's really just, just about the people and having those conversations, whether it's about the game itself, it's about players for the draft. Uh, it's about personal things and life in general. Um, and it's amazing how these things really come around. And, you know, it's pretty timely that we're doing this today because I think back to the Halifax Mooseheads team that won the Memorial Cup in 2013 with Jonathan Duran and, and Nathan McKinnon and Mackenzie Weger, you know, guys that are playing well in the NHL right now. Dominic Ducharme was the head coach there. And he's a guy that when we first met him going back a year earlier than that, really wasn't buying what we were selling, but we continued to build that relationship. And by the time they won the cup in 2013, you know, he moves into Canada's program of excellence uh, as part of the, the world junior program. And now I'd say we're, we're good friends. And he's a guy that, uh, you know, I'd have no problem picking up the phone and calling and I would fully expect that he would answer. So it's about building those relationships and same thing happened with Dale Hunter. I can think about the same thing with, you know, with Brent Sutter. It just takes a while on being around and building that trust with those people. But that only comes with the work and that only comes with being there face-to-face, -face, showing people that you care. And that's something that, uh, that uh, you know, Pete Labardius, who was my first partner on the CHL broadcast, really, really kind of ingrained into me that, um, you know, being there means you care. So get to the rink as, as often as you can. Uh, even if it's just for a practice, even if it's just for, you know, it's a dry day and you want to go and spend some time with the coaches or meet a few players. So I, I've taken Pete's advice to heart and uh, it's really turned out to be the best part of the gig is just being around people. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And as we alluded to at the start of the show was some players in the Western Hockey League that is getting started. We're going to start with the East Division just because it's our neck of the woods over here in Winnipeg. And as we now know is being played in a hub center in Regina. But there's a couple um, first round graded players of NHL Central Scouting within the division. I guess we'll start with with our very own Winnipeg's own Carson Lambos. Yeah, a really, really, really good player. I mean, as a you know, 16-year-old, um, you know, getting the opportunity to be able to play a ton of minutes, to be able to play in all situations, to be able to defend against some of the league's best players. And then being able to be uh, mentored by a guy like Dawson Barto, who's a true, true pro, uh, and being able to play with him, I think, was was supremely important to the development of Carson last year. And then, you know, obviously in a draft year, you're looking to play games and to further that development after 
the off season. Uh, and of course nothing is normal. So, you know, he takes it upon himself to try and find a place to play, ends up going over to Finland. And I think that experience is going to be really key. And I think it's going to give him a huge understanding of what it's like for the, for the Tepleys of the world to, you know, to come across and to be able to, to be over here as kind of lone Rangers as, as, you know, two imports per team and what that experience is like, you know, a lot of times I think in North America, we, we take that for granted. Oh yeah. I was a really good player. We watched him at the 17s, watch him at the 18s. Sure. He's just going to come on over here because he's got a dream to play in the NHL like every other kid. Oh yeah. But the rink's different. The food's different. The people are different. There's no family around. The hockey is a little bit different. And so we take that, uh, for granted with our European players. And I think Carson will come back from that experience, having done that and being that guy over there and really, really have a greater appreciation for what he has here in North America, for what he has here in the program in Winnipeg and what it's done for him. And, and I think uh, there'll be a lot of smiles uh, on the faces of uh, the Winnipeg ice when he's back and landed safely in quarantine and, and ready to rock and roll, expecting huge things from him for sure. And I know you, you play around with this uh, quite often. Where do you see him fitting within uh, that first round next year? Yeah, I think right now he's probably in that top 15. And, and again, it's a little bit tougher for me to kind of make that judgment because he's playing over there. And some of the video that I was watching, I was watching stuff a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, it took me a little while just to figure out who he was based on the, the quality of the video and the jerseys and not knowing the competition like, you know, if he's playing against Swift Current here, I know pretty, I know very clearly who Swift Current is and who Winnipeg is. So yeah. it's not quite as easy when you're not as familiar with the teams and the jerseys over there. So it took a little while to get that sorted out. Um, and again, it wasn't wasn't the best to be able to see. So you have to kind of go back on what you saw last year, uh, and then you have to try and compare that against the projections of what he is going to be here this year, coming back to play. You know, obviously, and you know, on the in the smaller surface. So. Uh, as also a big part of that evaluation is not so much just what Carson is, is doing, but what those who are in this draft class have been doing. So you look at the guys in the U.S. under 18 program, the USHL, um, the University of Michigan, where there's expected three first rounders there, including someone who I think is going to be in the conversation with Carson and Owen Power in Michigan. And you think about those guys and having the opportunity to play fairly regularly. So now you're going up, uh, um, you know, Carson's got to be compared against those players as well. So when I look at the grand scheme of things, though, I assess his game as a great two-way player, a guy who's got decent size, doesn't mind, um, you know, given a little bit of the old school in terms of the physicality, uh, but a guy who can, you know, probably play in the NHL level, maybe as a second power play guy, but really that all-around defenseman where there's no gaping holes in his game and there's a couple of things that really jump out at you. So, uh, I love what he brings to the table. Uh, I love the, some of the intangibles, uh, the leadership qualities that I think we'll see here down the road will, will really start to emerge. Uh, and the fact that when you're a 16-year-old and you get heaped with responsibility from a coach um, who's been around it quite a bit throughout his career, I think that speaks volumes about the player. Absolutely. And we always we talk about the play, but you can't underestimate you know, how good of a, a person that these guys are uh, away from the rink as well. As we move on here a little bit, another great player within the East Division that fans will be able to see on the Moose Jaw Warriors and Ryder Korzak. Yeah, pretty interesting guy. Um, you know, he's had some opportunity to be able to play some uh, big minutes last year with Moose Jaw kind of getting back to that bottom of the cycle and, and moving up again. So when you look at the, the point 
to totals, not so bad. When you look at the plus minus, not so good. So that sometimes can be, um, you know, the result of what happens when you plan a team that's going through that rebuild. And when you're a guy who gets a lot of minutes, but it was interesting and in, in going back and thinking about the times that I'd watched him play and then furthering that and watching some video here over the last couple of weeks, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think one assessment I'd make of him is he really responds well and reacts well to the play. So, you know, so often we talk about guys that go into the draft and how they have that ability to anticipate the play. And so not that I think that that's a, a missing part to his game, but when I look at broken plays, um, and those are things that happen when you're playing on teams that are younger and going through a rebuild. When I look at the ability to react to a rebound or a tip situation, or it just seems to be that he's around the puck a lot. And I, you know, there's reason for that. Part of it is the anticipation to go to the right areas on the ice. But the other part of that is once you're in position, you still have to be able to react and do something with it. So whether it's a quick release, it's a, it's a quick look already knowing what that play is before it actually happens and, and assessing your options quickly. So I like that part about him that he's around a lot. Um, you know, I got to know his brother Caden pretty good and, and have watched him and how he's progressed through his career. Um, you know, so they're different players, obviously one's a defense and the other's a forward, but when it comes to Ryder, I, you know, I have big expectations uh, for him, maybe toning back the game and maturing his game in terms of being able to not be that minus 40 guy on a team that's getting older, whereas he has more responsibility, not just to go out and put up points, but to be able to, to defend and do those sorts of things. So again, a player's got really good energy. looks like he in the game. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it not knowing him personally, but knowing his brother personally, that he comes from a good family and has a nice path laid out in front of him in terms of what the hurdles are going to be like. It's nice to have that guidance from, from your brother. So I think that's really cool. Um, but again, another player that I have high expectations for. And, and I think he's a guy that, for me, kind of sits on the fringes of that first round. And he's, uh, you know, he's going to have to really take advantage of the, of the shortened schedule here. Yeah, for sure. And lots of good players recently and, all, you know, always, if we if we look back, have come out of the Western Hockey League and sometimes they're not always graded as first round talents. And I think we see a lot of that, you know, within the East Division, but the Western Hockey League in general. Yeah, no question. I think it's it's nice to be able to have that. I mean, I <laughs> it's funny because. You know, I was talking to, to the general manager, Matt Cockle, just, uh, you know, maybe a week or 10 days ago. And one thing that, you know, I kind of felt for him. I mean, you know, this thing has been in the works for a long time. When you think about the the origins of Kootenai and some of the trades that were made there, knowing that, you know, at some point this, there was going to be a move to Winnipeg with Winnipeg-based owners and thinking about, you know, the, you know, the, the new building, if and when it, uh, you know, it finally comes to fruition and thinking about, putting those building box blocks in place you know the Connor McLennans of the world when he was back in Kootenai and playing so well in the under 17s the Matt Savoy's the Carson Lamboses of the world um, you think about Peyton Krebs as, as one of those guys as the foundational guys and so you know you think about that East Division and where Winnipeg was last year in a battle with Brandon for the the, the two three spots uh, you know in the division and probably thinking that big things were going to be lying ahead here uh, almost as planned. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the pandemic hits, the season shuts down in March, and we're still awaiting that restart. But, you know, it is pretty interesting. I, I go back and I look at Regina when we were there for the 100th Memorial Cup and think about John Paddock and Dave Struish and all the work they did and probably had a slightly better team the year before 
um, you know, in 17 when they lost out to, to Seattle and, and what was an unbelievable series and then come back and have to make a few tweaks and changes and still a really good team in 18. They make it to the, to the cup final. And, uh, you know, so they're now sort of getting back in the cycle, swift current, same sort of thing, you know, in, in 20, uh, 2018 you know, with that battle with Regina and swift current to, you know, in 2018 was pretty legendary. And, you know, I think about uh, where Brandon is. They're always a good team. They're seem, seeming to be a, a perennial playoff team and a perennial contender. Um, we'll see if at all that changes now with with new ownership there and 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 Dave Lowry having moved on. But I think Donnie's going to do a great job over there, and they've got some good foundational pieces. So it's interesting. The, the division is when you look at it, it's it's good, man. I mean, you know, Regina's not going away. Swift Kern is going to take some time here to get back on track. I really love what Moose Jaw did. Alan Miller's really left this team in, in a really good place there. Uh, you know, obviously, I like what Winnipeg has with uh, with all the talent to, that the ice have put together. So it's, uh, it's a difficult division. There's going to be no easy night, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's funny you bring up the ebbs and flows in junior hockey. It's uh, it's part of the game. It's a fun part of the game uh, if you're looking in from the outside. As we move into the the rest of the Western Hockey League, um, you know maybe a couple players that, that fans should keep an eye out for uh, this season, watching virtually. Yeah, for sure. You know what? I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Prince Albert and and the job that Curtis Hunt has done there is really unbelievable. I mean, I think about being in that building and for the finals, uh, um, you know, a couple of years ago and just how electric it was there. Like that was that was awesome. Actually, it was in the it was in the round against Saskatoon. We were there for a couple of games, and they obviously don't like each other very much. So, um, the Blades is another team that I forgot to mention, and you know, I think they took a lot of criticism for some of the moves they made with their personnel. But Mitch Love is an unbelievable coach. And, you know, I think about uh, the, the job they've done there with uh, with Colin Priestner. And I know he's taken some heat, but, man, I have to give him credit for for what they've been able to do over there. So uh, getting back to, to now the rest of the, the Western Hockey League, I didn't want to be remiss in, in not mentioning those teams have also done a very good job. Um, but thinking about the Edmonton Oil Kings, I mean, you look at a couple of, of top-rated prospects there. Dylan Gunther, you know, tied for the rookie lead. I, I think with Tepley uh, and maybe uh, Logan Stankoven uh, of Kamloops with 29 goals last year, which is which is pretty impressive for a rookie. But guy who's light in the skates, really moves well. He's got a little bit of cock to his walk. So we're really going to be looking forward to watching him play. And I spoke to Sebastian Costa last night, actually, the, the goaltender for the Oil Kings. We're doing, uh, you know, a, a program with the Hockey Gives Blood group. And he's uh, one of the ambassadors. So he's another guy who's got a, you know, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but at six, six and, and, you know, 21 wins last year and going through the adversity of beating out a couple of older guys only to be uh, watching another older guy and Beckworm being acquired to, to, to provide him more adversity last year. So it'll be fun to watch it and see how he's progressed uh, as well. So I look at those two guys. I mean, Unfortunately, we're not going to get a chance to to watch Cole Sillinger, uh, you know, with his his move. But um, I, I think at some point he'll be back here in, with Medicine Hat. And then I, you know, I'm always fascinated by what happens in the U.S. division. I don't think it ever really gets enough play by how competitive it is. New ownership in Portland, but still. You know, you got the kingpin there and Mike Johnson, and he does such a great job in recruiting, and they're going to be good again, no question about it. The Spokane Chiefs are, are kind of like Brandon of the, of the West. They're always in the mix, and then they sneak up and bite you once in a while. You know, you think about that 2008 Memorial Cup win and some of the great players that have come out of that program uh, over the years. 
Um, and then BC really tough to, to make any commentary on what's going to happen there. But uh, man, I think they're a lot like the Ontario hockey league right now. And BC is just uh, no kind of start date. There's no real light at the end of the tunnel right now. So, you know, it'll be fun to watch how things progress here, but um, you know, I'm trying to keep, keep an eye on, you know, all the draft eligible players and keep an eye on the league in general with, with just the three divisions uh, with set start dates so far. Well, listen, Sam, it was a, uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show and uh, you know, look forward to chatting uh, with you soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Max. Sorry if I get a little long winded, but man, I'm sick of being in the house and I'm sick of not getting to the rink. So I'm fired up when we're talking about hockey, that's for sure. So I apologize to you and, and the listeners or viewers if we're do, you know, doing this Zoom thing, if uh, I was a little long winded, but I'm pretty fired up. And nothing wrong with being long winded. That's what we live for. Thanks again to Sam. Always a pleasure getting some insight into the upcoming prospects who are looking to make the jump into the National Hockey League. That's always exciting for them. It's exciting to see players go to the next level. Make sure to check us out on social media at Icebreaker Show with two W's online at icebreakershow.ca. Make sure to pass it on if you enjoy the show. As always, we appreciate you listening and we hope you have a great week and we will talk to you next week.